Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 2, episode 29 it is now, as we return after a week break because of illness. It's been a successful week for the Reds through to the Europa League quarterfinals where we'll face Anderlecht up to fifth in the league for the first time in 100 days or something silly like that and with a chance of Champions League next season. Uh, But it is all going to come crashing down straight away, or is it? Um, we'll talk that. Marcus Rashford, our abysmal defence, why we keep sitting back unnecessarily and more, as well as our regular extensive youth and low roundup in Series 2, Episode 29 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Jack, uh, less possession than Middlesbrough, but a 3-1 win. Um, on, on a short-term basis, the scoreline really is the only statistic that matters. So, brilliant. Um, and goals from Fellaini, Lingard, Valencia. Um, Moyes and Van Haar will be embracing over the, the 100 miles of sea that, that separates Sunderland and, and the Algarve, <laughs> weren't they? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was actually quite nice to see those two players get on the score sheet. The three players who have not always been treated the best by United fans have proven themselves a little bit recently. Um, I mean, I guess the scoreline is, is the main thing that matters, but would have liked a, a more convincing performance against Middlesbrough rather than hanging on at the end as we were until the hilarious Valdez slip. Um, but it was a it was a strange game really. Not much happened. Um, it was an okay performance, nothing to write home about. And then stupid mistake ended up costing us a goal, making it very tense towards the end. But I mean, we got the three points, and in the short term until the end of the season, I guess that's all we can really hope for out of every game. Yeah, that's that seems a, a fair a fair judgment. Shall we shall we start on on the most recent goal, the the Valencia goal? Um, it just did it, it just did sum him up, didn't it? Ninety third minute. A third game in, in one week where he's played every single minute of every single game. Chases a goalkeeper down, gets his reward. I mean, fo- football can be as complicated as you like, but this was this was one moment of of maximum simplicity. No tactics or, or planning for once, just, just pure desire from Valencia and a, a well-earned reward. I mean, for me, he's my player of the season so far. Most consistent, most surprising, most impressive. Yeah, I think that's a... Uh... 
very good shout player of the season. He's, it's so nice to watch Valencia now because he was so gone for so long, but he's always been a good squad player. And this season, he's turned into more of a squad player. He is a genuinely good right back now. Um, and like, like you said, his goal really did sum him up. It's that never-say-die attitude, you know. He actually it kind of also sums him up that he, he actually made a mistake in the build-up. He didn't see Martial um, running on the left flank. He tried to do his usual trigger, just bashing the ball past the defender. Um, but once he, once he then... Lost the ball. He didn't. He didn't stop. He kept going after the after the goalkeeper. Puts him under pressure and ends up getting the the third goal because of it. Um, I think he's probably my player of the season as well because of how consistent he's been and just the fact that you, you seem to always be able to rely on him at right back. There were times, especially the last couple of seasons. I remember the um, I think it was the FA Cup game against Arsenal where Welbeck scored and for the first goal, Valencia played the entire Arsenal attack on on side. Um, and, and then that was just an example of a number of times where defensively you got caught napping at right back. And it really hasn't happened this season very much. It's been a brilliant performer. I was really happy to see him get on the score sheet, albeit in <laughs> very suspect circumstances. Not Victor Valdez's greatest moment. And it, it, I mean, for it to happen to any keeper, I wouldn't want it to be Valdez because I do, <laughs> I do like him. And he's a former United player. But the, the satisfaction you get from one of those goals, we've had a few of those now. Um, we had we had Rashford against Ali Al Habsi, Rashford against Northampton in the in the EFL Cup. Um, I think our, our the determination of our players is is paying dividends. Um, let's let's talk on a. We'll move on to Jesse Lingard's brilliant goal in a second, as well as as well as Maran Fellaini and and the game as a whole. But we were two 0 up, very comfortable. We were we were dominating chances, not possession, as I said in the intro. Only less possession than Middlesbrough, but we were. We were in control of the game, I think it's fair to say. We were, we were definitely in control of the game, despite not dominating possession. And at that point, Marino inv- invites pressure on our on our team. And I said short term, the, the scoreline is the only statistic that matters. And that, that's definitely true. And I'm very glad we've got a, what looks like a comfortable 3-1 win and was until Marino decided to, to bring off Juan Mata. But Marino's plan to invite pressure onto onto our team never works hasn't has never worked and I don't think will ever work just just because we won doesn't mean it worked because we went from dominating and being comfortable to being uncomfortable and conceding only Valencia's determination to put off Valdez made that win look comfortable and conceding to Middlesbrough is is like conceding to Aston Villa last year or or Derby when they when they were relegated with with points in, in the single figures I mean, Middlesbrough actually are a decent defensive side, and, and although they hardly showed it on, on Sunday, but we should not be conceding to them. I mean, we literally had all of our natural centre-backs on the pitch at one point. Literally, except unless you're counting Axel Twanzebe and that. And then Matteo Darmian's brought on too after, after we get the, the 3-1. I just don't understand the, that really, because it's not, it's not as if we were... Middlesbrough were bombarding our goal by any means. For me, the 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 reason you bring on a centre back if you're winning the game is if you're struggling to hold on and you need defensive reinforcements. But we just won. Middlesbrough weren't putting us under any sort of a substantial pressure. We were controlling the game. It didn't look like Middlesbrough were causing us any kind of issues. And then we just invite pressure by Mourinho bringing on another centre back. I know, I know that's his kind of mantra of you know take take the lead and then kill the game by sitting back and defending well. But with all due respect to Middlesbrough, we're playing a team that hadn't scored a goal in over in nearly five games. We're playing a team who are really look almost certainty for relegation. It's not like we were, we were eight, playing eight another top team. Without the goal. Yeah, exactly. And and yet, and that goal comes against us. <laughs> yeah. 
and it's just there's a there's a reason for that and it's because we just invited pressure so much and if you invite that much pressure eventually it's going to tell and it's not like we were playing a top team where it was a smash and grab where we needed to play on the counter-attack get the first goal and then just sit back and hope that we could hold on you know if you if we if, if say against Chelsea on Monday, um, if we'd have done that then, when if we'd have gone one 0 up and then sat back, I'd say okay, fair enough, we're playing the best team in the country. But we were playing Middlesbrough, and it was just unnecessary. We weren't struggling to hold on. We just sat back more, invited pressure, and it ended up costing us a goal. All right, we still won the game, but that's not the point. We conceded to Middlesbrough, who have probably the worst attack in the in the whole league. Yeah, and that's a key point when we come against the better attack, sitting sitting back. It's going to do nothing because staying on the defensive side of things for a bit, Chris Smalling, oh, uh, what can you say about him? I mean, as I, th- I think Nick at, at Man United Youth put it, and he put it well, you can bring on as many defenders as you like, but one of them is still Chris Smalling. And I mean, that's the key, the key thing that Mourinho has to, has to realise. And Smalling is going to be continue playing because for some reason Mourinho likes him, as Van Gaal did as Moyes did, as Fergie did, to be fair. There must be a reason they like him and they see him as a viable option, but Phil Jones is now injured, suspected broken toe while with England in his first day, as, as only Phil Jones can do. We're going to be seeing more Smalling as, as the season continues. And the thing about Smalling is, I thought he was a good defender. I was one of the many that fell for him being a good defender under Van Hull because he was made to look like a good defender. Because when you're covered by thousands of layers of defenders, wing-backs, midfielders, strikers, all defending against, against Stoke City, when all other 10 outfield players, all other 9 outfield players are covering and helping you, you're going to look like a d- good defender because the team is good at defending because they don't attack. But in a team with less cover, and particularly alongside Phil Jones, who needs a lot of cover himself... Smalling is monumentally exposed. And we've said this on multiple occasions. It's baffling to me how he starts, let alone how he's the vice-captain of Manchester United. I mean, strangely, I don't, I don't actually dislike him. I just think he's a really poor footballer. To me, it, seem, it seems obvious. Why? Because until the age of 19, he was playing conference football. And now, now obviously, there's lots of arguments and there's lots of advantages and there's lots of benefits to non-league football that you don't get from elite football from playing in academies. But Smallest technique is, is just fundamentally missing. And that's that's why he can't pass out from the back. And it's not every defender has to be John Stones, who, as a side point, played very well for Manchester City in the last two games. But they they do have to have some ability on the ball because we saw we, we saw for that goal that Middlesbrough scored. Smalley just missed the ball when he was trying to clear it. He didn't just That's... miss the ball, he went on it with the wrong leg. Exactly, there's there's no technique and that, that also relates to his football brain, his anticipation and there's another thing missing from not playing at the, at the top level for long enough. And there are obviously so many benefits to non-league football. We've seen that with Jamie Vardy, we saw it with Ian Wright years ago. <laughs> We've seen it with many people and Smalley, I think, has some of those benefits, but he's just fundamentally missing some key aspects of being a top Premier League footballer, a, a footballer that can play in the Champions League next season if Man United qualify for it. Part of the reason why people, sorry, managers seem to like Smalling is because of his physical attributes, which probably in some ways comes from non-league football because it's so it's so physically demanding, arguably more so than, than high-level football. It's just, he physically, he's a very good athlete. He's, what, six, I think, six foot five. He's extremely quick. He's very strong. Like I said, his footballing brain just unfortunately isn't up to the level where it should be at this point. And it's not it's not the fact that he played non-league football, that's not the issue. It's that he was never introduced to high-level football at a young enough age. And so 
he's still now learning as a as a twenty five year old or however exactly. old he is, and that that's fine. But it's not fine at a club like Manchester United, you know, because we can't afford to be having players of that age who are starting every single week who are still trying to learn on the job. It's just it, there comes a point where we have to cut our losses. This morning, he was a good prospect. He had a very good season last season, but he was being protected by a manager and a system that suited him because he effectively had very little, little defending to actually do because all of his defending was either covering something someone else or he could basically do whatever he wanted because someone else would always be covering him because we played with eight or nine people behind the ball like all the time. Um, but also, if, if you think about the examples where the system did not cover him, when Schweinsteiger was said to mark Santi Cazorla at the Emirates, and he got dragged away. He got dragged into Arsenal's defence because he was man-marking him. Terrible tactical decision by Van Gaal. But put that aside, there were still some players covering Smalling. But that one gap in defence, and Smalling and Daly Blin got absolutely whipped at the Emirates. And we lost 3-0. Then we went to Spurs. And the same happened. We got whipped because there was no cover for Smalling and Blind. I think those two games against top opposition properly exposed Smalling and Blind because everyone thought they were an excellent defensive partnership. I thought they were excellent. We both said that they were playing very well and they were. It it looked as if they were, but they, they had very little to do, as you say. Yeah, I, I just think Smalling, Smalling is very frustrating because he is such a very good athlete, but in one-on-one situations, he, he very rarely loses. The problem comes when he has to use his brain and anticipate or make quick decisions with the ball at his feet because unfortunately he just can't. Um, I think especially, like you said, when he's playing with Phil Jones, who's a very cavalier defender in his own right, which isn't necessarily an issue. The issue comes when he plays alongside Smalling who doesn't have the footballing IQ to be able to cover him all the time. Um, I mean, personally, going forward, I would like to see Bayer and Rojo as centre-back partnership. It's not something we've we've seen for the majority of the season because when Rojo did get a run in the side at centre-back it was when Bayer was at the African Cup of Nations um, I would like us to I like us to go back to a back four instead of playing this back three which I have no idea where it has come from it seems that Mourinho might be trying to copy Antonio Conte or whatever but whatever the reason is I don't like it I don't think it suits us um, and it also I think stops us from being so effective in midfield um, but I think we should go back to a back four and see what Bayer and Rojo are like. Yeah, I, I definitely agree we should go back to a back four because I, I, I don't think he's copying Conte, but it's it, it seemed a good idea. We played it against Rostov. It was like, all right, we're preparing for the Chelsea game. We're going to three to counter their three at the back. But we have a very poor set of centre-backs, as we've just said with Chris Morning, Phil Jones is injured. Why do we want to play more of them? I, uh, for me, I want to play as little centre-backs as possible because I think the only good one we have is Eric Bay. I think Marcus Rojo has shown himself to be much better than expected, a genuinely good centre-back this season. But I don't want to see Chris Morning starting or Phil Jones. I don't think they're good enough. And I like both of them as people, as players. I genuinely like both of them. I wish they'd be much better than they were. Phil Jones is someone who I, oh, I tipped for, for greatness four years ago. So, so did Sir Alex Ferguson. I was probably copying him. But they're not good enough. So why are we playing more centre-backs? And it, it doesn't work for anyone in our side, I think. The, the last quote on this morning I'll leave you with is, at um, JB underscore 8521 tweeted, this reminds me of when you roll the ball to a toddler and you're not quite sure if they'll kick it or miss and land on their face. <laughs> I th- sorry, just, just quickly, last thing on the uh, on the back three. The other reason why I don't really like us playing the back three is because 
it makes it far less likely, likely that Michael Carrick ever plays. And we've spoken about this before, how important Michael Carrick is, both to our midfield and the effectiveness of Paul Pogba. And so in midfield, when Carrick doesn't play, we look so, so much worse than when he does play because we have no control in midfield. And he didn't have a particularly great game against Middlesbrough. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't wasn't a standout. When we play that three in midfield of Herrera, Carrick and Pogba, we look so much better going forward and defensively. I don't really understand why it, why we decided to change it all, why Carrick has fallen out of favour with Mourinho, honestly. Um, so I hope that soon we'll go back to a back four. We'll go back to be playing that three with Carrick, Herrera and Pogba and hopefully get back some better performances. Right, Jesse Lingard. Brilliant goal at the weekend. Superb goal. Uh, I mean, albeit Boa's defence, which I, I labelled as being good earlier, was absolutely atrocious for that goal. I saw, I saw a good tweet from one of my Borough supporting friends saying, love Barragan's tactical jogging alongside Lingard there, probably whispered boo at him as he went to shoot. <laughs> um, forgetting Lingard's goal, I mean, it was fantastic. One of the best he scored. He scored some fantastic goals at Stamford Bridge, a few at Wembley, three in a row. But on him as a player, he's quick. Movement is superb. His ability to find space, take up good sp- good positions. Um, it's brilliant. He works very hard. He's come through the academy. Classic Sir Alex Ferguson player and a successful one at that. And as usual, when people get frustrated at the starting line, starting lineup before a game, it proves to be better than, than the one that people actually do like. Um, Fellaini and Lingard score. It's brilliant. And uh, just, just finishing on Jesse Lingard, he would be a Fergie player. He'd be in the squad. He's not. He's not world-class. But I'd, why, why do we care if he's world-class? Not everyone in our squad is going to be world-class. We won... We won 99, the treble without world-class players. We won 2008, Champions League final without without world-class players. We got to two Champions League finals in 2009, 2011 with players like Gabriel Obertan. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all about the system and the way someone's employed. And I think Lingard definitely has a role to play. He's not he's not the best on the ball and he never will be. He's not he's not ever going to be an Eden Hazard or a Gareth Bale. But he can do a job for us. And especially, I think, against the bigger teams because he's very capable defensively. He puts in a good shift and... You always know what you're going to get from Lingard, which is not something that can be said for all of our players. So, I, I, I like Lingard. I think he definitely has a role to play. Probably not as a starter every single week, but every time we get to Wembley, he should definitely start because he seems to have a knack of scoring at Wembley. Um, but just generally, I think he definitely has a role to play. He's a good squad player to have, a good substitute to bring on as well because his pace late in the game can, can help change the game. And he stretches defences, which... Is something that we need because a lot of our wide players don't play like Mkhitaryan and Mata. They like to come inside a lot. They don't really look to stretch the defence, whereas Lingard does. So when we do have him in the team, he just offers us something different. Yep. Now, um, back to United as, as, a, as a team. We're now five points off Man City with one game in hand. Four points off Liverpool with two games in hand. I mean, City's 1-1 draw with Liverpool was perfect for us. We, we really do have a chance of top four, incredibly. Probably. I mean, it... it if anyone wants to criticise the Premier League, that's, there's your chance to. We're close to the top four. Um, we're, we're by no means favourites. And we, we do have an immensely tough end to the season. We've got City, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea all in the space of a month, plus like trips to Palace, I think. Or maybe, maybe Palace is at home, I'm not sure. But we, we've got a tough end to the season. And we've got a lot of fixtures. And, and we're playing Manchester Derby on a Thursday night, for God's sake. But we're definitely in a half-decent position. On, on Mourinho and, and his comments, I agree with him. I, I'd definitely rather get Champions League by winning the Europa and finishing fifth or sixth than, than top four and going out of the Europa at any point, to be honest. Yeah, me too. It might be the Europa League, but we talked about this with the with the League Cup. It doesn't matter what the trophy is. There's, not, there's no feeling like winning the trophy. And I'd much rather see us win the Europa League, get some silverware and get into the Europa League uh, through 
through that through that way. Also, that would mean there would be an extra um, English team in the Premier League, which is always good for always good for the league generally. So, sorry, not in the Premier League, in the Champions League, um, which is always good for the Premier League generally. So, I I would much rather us get into the, through the Europa League, but honestly, whichever way we get in, I don't really care as long as we get in. But yeah, I mean. <clears throat> We might we we look good right now with the way we are on the table, but our running, as you said, is ridiculously hard. Um, so I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm confident yet. We have a good chance, but we need to really pull out pull th- pull it out of the bag towards the end of the season because we have some very very tough fixtures coming up and games that recently we haven't done too well in either. Yeah, okay, agree with most of that. Right, we're we're not going to talk about fixture congestion today. We might speak about that later, but we've. Spent a lot of time on Chris Morning and his faults. Um, but we will talk about Marcus Rashford. Played up front again with, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic suspended. Anthony Martial not, not given a chance. Rashford instead, um, which I, I think is the right thing to do. On, on Rashford in this development, a lot of people have been saying since he's been starting up front, he missed a one-on-one with, against Chelsea with Courtois. He missed a one-on-one with Valdez when, against Middlesbrough. And and some will say the opposite to me, but I think Rashford's development this season has been brilliant. I mean, he's progressing very well, in my opinion. I th- I think particularly benefiting from from playing on that left wing position that we've seen him in in a, in a lot in the last few months until Zatan's suspension. He's he's much more mature. He's he's got a greater ability to hold up the ball. His movements improved. I think he's he's definitely become more versatile from playing on that left wing and up front. He's going to get more game time. Because he can play on the left wing, he's a choice above Anthony Martial for Mourinho at the moment on that left wing, which is, is good for him. Um, his link-up play has improved. His relation, relationship with Lingard is excellent, as we, as we saw against Burrow when, when they're both given space by, by Middlesbrough. And his finishing can be improved. Two one-on-ones missed. Um, but honestly, I, I think a goal with England over this international break, and I'll be finishing some of those chances that he's missed recently. I think once he gets his confidence back, that one-on-one with Valdez, he would have scored. One-on-one against Chelsea, I think he would have scored. Although uh, we did uh, we did say this at the time, Gary, Gary Cahill did well to stop him scoring there. Just in general, I think Rashford's developed very well. He's got a lot of game time, more than many people thought. His relationship with the media has been excellent. He's done some very good interviews. He's done a brilliant piece in the Players' Tribune that we'll tweet out on our on our Twitter, at UTD Weekly Pod. Um, fantastic, talking about Rooney and, and him growing up as a with Rooney as his idol and now he's playing alongside him and, and that feeling of scoring a, an England goal on your debut. But just in general, Rashford, I think he's he's improved massively compared to last season, although some disagree. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I would go as far as say his development has been brilliant, but I definitely think he's he's made some steps in the right direction. We all knew his, his game time would be limited this season. The only reason he even got in the squad in the first place was because of injuries and the need to rotate the squad last year. So we all knew that he wouldn't be a starter every single week, but I actually think credit to Mourinho, he's managed him relatively well. Whenever he had the opportunity, he's brought him on in games. He's played him in the Europa League for the majority of the time. Even if he has played on the left wing, that hasn't been a bad thing for him because I think it's actually really improved his movement and and his and his dribbling as well. I mean, he was always he's, he was always good at going past people, but I think he's had a little bit more subtlety to his game now, which has helped been helped through uh, playing on the left wing. One thing for me was Russia. I think, as you said, it's just confidence. The the finish against Middlesbrough for Valdez's brilliant save when he was one on one was actually not a bad finish at all. If you can see it from the angle behind the goal, it was going right in the corner. He couldn't have really done anything more with it. It was just a great save. The one from the cross from the left hand side was just unlucky. It just hit Valdez, and the, the, he probably should have done better against Chelsea. But again, that was a good save by Courtois. I just think he needs to get that one goal and he'd have his confidence back. I think generally he had a very good game against Middlesbrough. Um, his movement was, ex- was exceptionally good. He has very good link up with Lingard. 
I just think he needs. Hopefully, he can have a few more opportunities until the end of the season. Um, it's tough for Mourinho to balance both him and Martial because they're very similar players. And so when someone like Ibrahimovic or one of our wide players is unavailable, he has to choose between the two of them. So it's tough giving them both the amount of opportunities they deserve. But generally, I think he's had a decent season. The development has, has definitely gone. Uh, he's definitely developed. His development hasn't been too bad. And I still think he has a big future of the club. And it, it's tough because you have to remember he's still only 19. It's not like he's a youngster that's come through at 21. He's 19. Yeah, that's that's a key thing to remember, how young he remains. Um, still younger than Martial, younger than Memphis Depay, younger than Lingard, all of these young players. He's, he's much younger than he's Younger than the players who he's been compared to um, across Europe, the other, the other talented young goal scorers. Well, it's been a busy week for Manchester United's youngsters this week. The best action was at under-18 level, a brilliant game, the under-18 Manchester derby on Saturday morning. United travelled the short distance to City. Fans weren't allowed into City's incredible academy for, for no reason, it seems. Um, but the injured Tahith Chong, who we're expecting back for the start of next season after an operation on a knee injury, apparently did the United fans who went the favour of getting team sheets and they were eventually allowed in for the second half, I think it was. That means they missed two goals, though, because Angel Gomez gave United the lead after 24 minutes. Tricky footwork and then finishing past Muric from within the box. Josh Bohui had had the ball in the net early on, but it was ruled out for handball. City equalised almost immediately, having been dominated before Gomez's opener. Uh, Lucas Nemetra, a prolific goalscorer at every level for City, combined well with Phil Foden to equalise. For the first time, that is. We took the lead again after half-time when City's Joe Coveney put the ball in his own net. A great shot um, into the top left corner. But it was a pity for City um, that it was his own goal. But after Gomez was replaced by Harry Spratt and Ethan Hamilton was moved into midfield, his natural position to allow Spratt to move into that left-back role. United looked unbalanced and Nemecha capitalised with his second goal of his game, the second equaliser of the game. It's the second consecutive 2-2 draw for our under-18 side and means we have two points after two games in the under-18 Premier League Merit Group 1 against Liverpool and then City, two very strong sides. Starting in that game, by the way, was trialist Theo Richardson, a young Leeds United goalkeeper. Meanwhile, at under-23 level, we drew 3-3 with Southampton before the international break. A thrilling game on the same night as the cup tie against Chelsea for the first team. At Old Trafford, we were 2-0 down before Devontae Redmond grabbed one back. Dimitri Mitchell then scored two penalties in quick succession to give United a 3-2 lead. But Southampton scored a late equaliser through Ryan Seager, the third penalty of the game. In Youth News this week... Brazilian scout pa Paulo Enrique Javier joined United to work under Chief Brazilian Scout Sandro Orlandelli a month after being sacked by the Brazilian Football Association. Um, United are behind Arsenal in the race for Leicester youngster Terrell Pennant, the nephew of Jermaine Pennant, but remain interested in the Leicester player. Uh, Joel Pereira, the goalkeeper, seemingly returned from injury. He was warming up as backup goalkeeper with Romero and De Gea for United at Middlesbrough on Sunday for the first team. While Eastern European scout Rodislav Kucharski watched Legia Warsaw 17-year-old forward Sandro Kulinovic, now being termed as the new Mario Mandzukic. So that's a, a potential name to remember for this summer. In low news, Andreas Pereira played the full 90 minutes for Granada in a vital relegation game for them in La Liga against Sporting Gijon. They did lose that game, a catastrophic result for their side, but Pereira got an assist, a great cross. Um, early in the week, he told Sport Witness that he and Mourinho have been in frequent contact. 
Adnan Yanazai started for Sunderland against Burnley. Uh, that was against Academy graduates, Man United Academy graduates, Tom Heaton and Michael Keane, who both started for Burnley. Sam Johnson, meanwhile, started for Aston Villa against Wigan in the Championship. Now, some international news since it is the international break. In youth international news first, Leo Connor, captain the Republic of Ireland under-17 side to, Europe, to the European Championship. They've achieved qualification after performing in the elite round of qualification. They won three consecutive matches. He played and captained in all of those. Kieran O'Hara has been called up for the Ireland under-21 side for a Euro qualifier against Kosovo. And George Tanner's been called up for England's under-18 for friendlies against Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Angel Gomez was forced to pull out of the under-17s for England with an injury. While Dean Henderson and Axel Twanzebe were both called up for the under-20s for England for games against Portugal, France and Senegal. While Nishan Burkhardt, finally, has also been playing for Switzerland's under-17 side. At senior level... There's a, there's, a, there's a strong list this week. I think it's 14 or 15 Man United senior players off on international duty. We've got Chris Smalling, Luke Shaw, Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford for England. David De Gea and Ander Herrera playing for Spain. Matteo Darmian for Italy. Sunday's goal scorer Marouane Fellaini for Belgium. Daily Blind for the Netherlands. Arguably Sunday's hero Sergio Romero and Marcus Rojo as well for Argentina. Antonio Valencia for Ecuador. Eric Bailly for the Ivory Coast. The only time two Reds will face each other down is the Netherlands against Italy when Daly Blind and Matteo Darmian face off on Tuesday, March the 28th. And that's all our international news and youth and loan roundup for this week. Right, have we got any questions this week? Yeah, we have two. One that we kind of covered already. Uh, this is from Georgie at Lieutenant Sloth, who asks, is sitting back while, while winning something United should be doing or does it ma not matter as long as we win the match? We kind of touched on this earlier. But I think in general, it's not really something that we should be doing, especially not against teams like Middlesbrough, with all due respect to Middlesbrough. Against the top teams, it's slightly more acceptable. But I guess, in the, I mean, I guess in the short term, it was just all about the results. But in the, in the long run, you want to see some better style, and you don't want to just see us sitting back against teams like Middlesbrough, who haven't scored a goal in nearly eight hours of football. Because um, it just sends the wrong message and. It just shows a lack of faith by Mourinho, I think, in the players' abilities to actually hold on and go and stretch the lead. We want to be killing teams off, be ruthless for five nil victories instead of scraping a three one win through complete luck. Yeah, I mean, if if you compare this style of football to that under Fergie, you, I, I, I think a lot of people, if you put two matches next to each other, they'd be shocked at, at how much difference there actually is because we've come out of Moyes and Van Gaal, and this this seems like utopia, but. Um, the style of football at the moment is not actually that brilliant. Um, there, there's no denying that. We're, we're not seeing brilliant football. We're seeing football that's getting better results. We're seeing more goals. So, so that's a positive. We're seeing more chances. So obviously that's a positive. But compare it to Fergie, we've got a long, a long way to to improve the style under Mourinho. Um, and and the defensive football is is a key part of that. Um, and and yeah, it's fine to sit back against the big teams, but not. Not against Middlesbrough. And if we do end up getting four or five nil victories, people are going to be even more scared of us. So that's that's going to add to the fear factor, probably add to scorelines in the future. So yeah, definitely definitely not a fan of sitting back. The second question is from at Jack Gerrard, who is an Everton fan. And he says, what do you think on Rooney to Everton? Personally, not sure that I want him. My heart tells me I don't want Rooney to go, no matter where he is. Um, just because I, I love Rooney, he's been at Manchester United for pretty much my whole time following the club. Um, 
and I, I, I can't imagine him leaving. But at my footballing head tells me he hasn't got that much to give at Man United anymore. He's taken a lot off the wage bill, and I, I, him being reunited with his home club at Everton would be probably a nice way for him to move on. Um, but even at Everton, I'm not sure how much he would offer. I'm not sure he would be a starter every week. And as bad as this sounds, Rooney's regression has been so much, I'm not even sure he would have that much to offer at Everton. Um, so I think if he's going to leave, I certainly wouldn't mind him going to Everton. But from Everton's point of view, I'm not I'm not really sure how much use he would be. No, I think from an Everton point of view, there's, <laughs> aside from marketing, there's not a huge amount to be gained out of, out of Wayne Rooney. And aside from, from a, a, a feel-good atmosphere around the signing there's very little to be gained I don't think he's a better player than necessarily better player than than Ross Barkley um I don't think Gareth Southgate certainly thinks that so for Everton there's, there's not a huge amount to get but for for Man United you you're offloading 240,000 pounds worth of wages every week just a point on the wages we've just Bastian Schweinsteiger we haven't spoken about him but going to Chicago Fire that's 240 grand off the wage bill uh, Memphis Depay, Morgan Schneidlin. So far, we've got it's about six hundred thousand pounds, five hundred thousand pounds off the wage bill. So Mourinho cutting that down nicely for some new signings in the summer. Um, so on that point, it, it's beneficial to United. For me, I mean, for for anyone who's forty, fifty, sixty, listening to this, thinking, why do we love Wayne Rooney so much? Just imagine when, uh, well, I don't know, when when Sir Bobby Sir Bobby Charlton leaves the club. When George Best leaves the club, the the end of the era feel you get. That's that's what it's like for people who've grown up with Wayne Rooney, uh, being at the club. Because I I can't remember a, a, a side a United side really without Wayne Rooney, except very very faintly. But in in terms of do I want him to stay? Uh, yes, in my heart, obviously. But I want him to go out on a relative high, and if that's winning the Europa League and the FL Cup and a double as captain, having won the FA Cup the season before. Uh, not being booed out of the club, not leaving, having not played at all in a the season there. Yeah, yeah, I probably I think him going to Everton would probably be quite good because then the real demise of his career would be away from the club, away at the club where where he's done superbly, has been captain and should be treated as as a great, if not a legend. So yeah, I think I think for for United and and Rooney, it's probably a good move. Um, for Everton, probably less so. Uh, is that that's the final question? Is it? Right, um, so that is all we have time for on a, on, a, on a packed episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 2, episode 29 it is now. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this, as always, and please leave us a review on iTunes or Acast, nice or bad. Um, if you've got a couple of spare minutes and feel like giving us some feedback, all of it's appreciated. You can tweet us on Twitter, um, at UTD Weekly Pod, that's P-O-D. Remember to check us out on ManchesterUnitedWeeklyPodcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes, including our interviews. Jack, where can we find your uh, opinions during the week? At UTD Takes, T-A-I-T. And you can find mine at Harry Robinson 64 Thank you, as always, for listening so much. Have a brilliant week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.